0: We're dealing with Peter's preaching. We looked at his introduction, the proclamation, or the body of it, and then we got right into the interruption and stopped there. The interruption in verse forty-four. But we're going to back up to uh, we're going to back up to thirty-nine and read thirty-nine through the end of the chapter, and then we'll come to the interruption in verse forty-four. Peter was interrupted by all three persons of the Trinity. Peter was interrupted by Jesus one time. And Jesus was saying, I'm going to go to the cross now. And Peter said, no, you're not. You're not. I'll lay down my life. I'll die before I let anybody get a hold of you. And the Lord interrupted him. And... uh, Peter said, uh, he he made that great proclamation, and he couldn't have done it without the Father giving him the words, but he said that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then shortly after that, Peter was trying to tell the Lord, you're not going to Calvary. And Jesus said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Interrupted what he was saying and told him that the devil was speaking right through his mouth. And uh, then one time, Peter was interrupted by the Father. You remember that Mount of Transfiguration? Peter saying, it's good to be here. We ought to build a tabernacle for you. We ought to build a tabernacle for Moses and one for Elijah. And, and uh, all of a sudden, there's a voice from heaven. said, this is my beloved son. Hear ye him. God put the focus back on his son and, and said, no, Peter, he's not equal with those other two. We don't build a tabernacle for each one of them. So he was interrupted by the Father. And then here, he's interrupted by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Right in the midst of his preaching, he's about ready to give a Pentecostal invitation and the Lord interrupts his sermon. So let's uh, read in verse 39. This is Peter getting to the point where he's going to give a gospel appeal and call for a decision. But he says, we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews, you know, and he said in verse 38, Jesus went about doing good. What could you ever have against the lovely Lord Jesus Christ? He went about doing good. He went about healing. Uh, He went about taking care of those that were oppressed of the devil. And God was with him. What could you ever have against the Lord Jesus Christ? I'll tell you what you could have against him. He was good. He was pure good. And there's people who just don't like that. There are evil and wicked people and they don't like goodness. They don't like pure things. They don't like righteousness. They don't Care for godliness. But Jesus went about doing good. And Peter said, we're witnesses of all these things. Which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him, God raised up the third day and showed him openly. So he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. Not to all people, but unto witnesses. Witnesses. Chosen before of God, his apostles, even to us who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive Remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, that's where the Holy Spirit interrupted him, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter answered, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then prayed they him to tarry certain days. They wanted him to hang around after that, stay for a while and teach him. Let's have a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for what you can do through a gospel preacher and father i thank you that the gospel has gone all down through the years for two thousand years and it's reached us today and and this and we preach the same gospel and we do the the same things that peter is doing here and and father i thank you for that i thank you that it's reached me and i thank you for those that we've heard that got saved thank you for little knox and his testimony of salvation and resulting baptism and Lord, I thank you for for Everett getting saved over the course of the revival. And thank you for the way that you use preachers, Lord. God called preachers to preach the gospel. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to continue doing this, to be about uh, the Father's business, to be going about doing good, seeking the the good of people around us, uh, fighting the good fight against the flesh, against the spiritual uh, wickedness, powers and principalities around us, Lord. The Satan is working overtime trying to destroy people, and we have the answer. We have the gospel. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to get it out. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help us as a church just to put out the word of God and use what we do here, take our, our little efforts and multiply them. And, Father, I pray that we'd see more souls saved in this church. And I pray, Lord, that you'd stir us up, Lord, to, to be uh, uh, people of prayer and to be people of action as well. Lord, we ought to come in here and see this place as a place where we come and we hear and learn from the word of God, and we worship you, and then we leave to serve. We go out to be a witness. We go out to our mission field. I pray Father, you would help us. Use us, give us wisdom. Show us as a church how we can reach this area, reach our field. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at the interruption here, and uh, in verse 43, we're going to pick up right there. To him, Peter says, to Jesus Christ, the one who's going to be the judge of the quick and the dead, you say... Who's that? The quick is another word for living. Those who are alive, who have been born again. The dead is the dead in their sins, spiritually dead. So those who are spiritually alive in Christ and those who are spiritually dead in trespasses and in sins, Jesus will judge. To him, give all the prophets witness. Now the prophets are Old Testament preachers. Prior to the cross. And Peter said that all those Old Testament preachers. They, they gave witness. That Jesus was coming. Peter saying we're not making up something new. This was prophesied in the Old Testament. He was saying to the Jews that were there. From Joppa. And to the Gentiles. To whom Peter was preaching and introducing the Christ. And the message of the gospel. He said this is something that has been foretold. Uh, Sometimes a thousand years before Jesus was born. That these things would occur. So this is not a new thing. Somebody said, well, the the Catholic Church gave us our Bible. That's not true. (laughs) That's not true. Like two-thirds of your Bible is the Jewish Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. The Jews gave you your Bible. Catholic Church gave us our Bible. Nonsense. Jews gave you your Bible you got a Jewish savior. He started out with Jewish preachers. Blessed be the Lord God of Shem. Salvation is of the Jews. Here's Peter introducing us to Jesus. We're Gentiles. Right? Before we got saved. He's introducing the gospel to Gentiles. He's using the keys to the kingdom to open it up. And he says, All the prophets give witness that through his name... Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, early editors of the Sword of the Lord paper. You heard of that before? The Sword of the Lord? You probably saw it down at First Baptist Church before uh, they voted to get rid of it or something. I don't know. It's a good paper. Uh, It'll encourage you to win souls. And a lot of good things that you can learn from there. However... There's some things that they've taught down through the years that have not been right. And one of them are this: uh, is, is this right here. Quote, we're saved the same way in the Old Testament as we are in the New Testament. End quote. They, they these early editors of the Sword of the Lord, that is fundamentalist, independent, Baptist preachers and Christians and churches. They, they believed that all the prophets in the Old Testament preached the forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus Christ. That's not true. The Old Testament prophets did not go about preaching that if you will believe in Jesus Christ, you can have forgiveness of sins. That didn't happen. You won't find it. But that's what they say. They use this verse to prove that. And that's just not so. Jesus' name isn't even revealed in the Old Testament. You see, Peter said to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, Whosoever believeth will have the remission of forgiveness of sins. So I want you to look at Judges 13, verse 8. Joshua, Judges, Ruth. It's right after the first five books of the Bible. And you have some historical books. And take a look at Judges. You just got to see it yourself because, again, I don't want you to take my word for it. Uh, Judges, chapter 18. Or 13, verse 18. Judges 13. No one knew the name of the Messiah in the Old Testament. So, Judges chapter 13, verse 18. Now, uh, the Lord had visited Manoah, the angel of the Lord. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ as the angel of the Lord. And he's visiting Manoah and his wife, and he tells them, "You're going to have a son. His name's going to be Samson." You know that name. And uh, when the angel of the Lord visited Manoah in verse 17, he says, "What's your name?" So that when these sayings come to pass, we can do you honor. The angel of the Lord didn't want him to know his name. The angel of the Lord said unto him, verse 18, "Why, why askest thou thus after my name?" Seeing it is secret. It's secret. Not yet revealed. So those independent fundamental Baptist preachers who say in the Old Testament, the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, were preaching that if you'll believe on the name of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, that you will have forgiveness of sins. That's just not true. It's not biblical. That's not the only time. I want to show you another one, a real strong one. Look at Proverbs 30. Proverbs 30. You got to judge everything that you hear uh, by, the, by the Bible. So Job, Psalms, Proverbs chapter 30. Judge everything you hear a preacher say by the Bible. You know, you can get in a lot of trouble if you just follow a preacher. Do you know that? <laughs> There's one great heretic who came around in the 1800s. His name was Alexander Campbell. He was the uh, beginning, uh, the, the sort of the founding father of the Restoration Movement. Did you know, according to Dr. Robert Morey, M-O-R-E-Y, a doctor from uh, Westminster Seminary, he said that all of the heresies, all of the cults in America, whether you're talking about the Church of Christ, it's not a cult, but it is a heresy, what they teach about baptismal regeneration, same thing with the Mormons. Same thing with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Same things with the uh, Mary Baker, Patterson. whatever. She's got about ten names. I don't know how many names she has. Uh, same thing with uh, Church of God when it started. All of those heresies, you know what they're all, what they all can be traced back to? Something called the Restoration Movement. And a preacher, very intelligent man, very persuasive, named Alexander Campbell out of Kentucky. All of them go back to him. You get in a lot of trouble following a preacher. Better, better study your Bible. Better judge what a preacher says by the Bible. Proverbs chapter thirty verse four. They'll they'll have you believing that uh, all you have to do is get down there in the water. The water somehow is holy down south, and that water will wash away your sins. And then just as long as you do all right and don't rob a gas station or something like that. You'll go to heaven when you die. They'll put you under a works-based salvation. Nobody knows whether they're saved or not. And uh, you'll die lost in your sins, trusting in your own self-righteousness. Proverbs 30 verse 4. Who hath ascended up into heaven or descended? Who hath gathered the wind in his fists? Who hath bound the waters in a garment? I don't know about you. I used to think I was pretty strong in my 20s. That's not me. Who's done that? None of us have. The Lord... He has who hath established all the ends of the earth. What is his name? Now, listen, you know, the new Testament, you know, his name, don't you? All things were created by him and for him, right? By him, all things consist. He holds all things together. What is his name? Jesus Christ. He created you. He created me. He created all things. God did it through him. Well, what is his name? What is his son's name? if thou canst tell. And you're never told. You never can tell in the Old Testament until you get to the New Testament and God shows up in the flesh in Jesus Christ and then he calls a man by the name of Saul who changes his name to Paul and gives him the revelation. It says, Paul, in the beginning, God created all things through his son, Jesus Christ. And without him was not anything made. And then he told the apostle John before he told Paul, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And same was in the beginning with God. And, you know, and all, and went on that word was made flesh. We don't find that out until the new Testament comes around. Nobody in the old Testament knows the name of the Messiah. So no one was preaching that through Jesus Christ, you would have the remission of sins. Can we come back to Acts chapter 10? You know what they were preaching? They were preaching that there is this seed of a woman who will come along, and he will be the Messiah King. But they did not understand Isaiah 53. Now, you read Isaiah 53, and it's a prophecy of Isaiah, and it definitely, definitely, as clear as can be, it talks about the the Messiah who will die for our sins, for the remission or the forgiveness of sins. He will make an atonement, but his name is not given In that chapter. And it's not given anywhere. In the Old Testament, they were preaching the promise of the Messiah. But they were not preaching it like we do today. You know what Peter was preaching up here in Acts chapter 10? Peter was preaching the person and and the work of Jesus Christ. He said in the Old Testament... The prophets preached about the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And now I have his name. Okay. You know, Peter says, all the prophets give witness. And through his name, all who believe in him shall receive remission of sins. Peter is making it clear that as he's preaching Christ, all who believe his preaching will Be forgiven, will be saved. But he said, All the prophets give witness. Let me show you one more thing, okay? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1. Peter told us in his letter that the prophets didn't even understand what they were preaching about, they didn't understand their own writings in the Old Testament. After they would, the, the holy men spake, the inspiration was in the spoken word. And then it was written down. Holy men spake as they were moved of God. And sometimes they wrote their own words down. Sometimes it was a scribe writing it down. And when they wrote it down and got it down, then they began to study their own writings. Because they did not understand the things that God gave to them. First Peter chapter 1, verse 11. It would be impossible for them then to be preaching a, a, an atonement from a coming Messiah who would lay down his life. No one saw it coming. Not even Jesus' disciples in his own day. When Jesus finally said plainly to them, I'm going to Jerusalem, and there I will die. There I will lay down my life, but I will take it up again. And he said, there they will take me, and they will crucify me. And when he finally came out and said it so plain they could not miss it, Peter said, -uh. nuh-uh, nuh-uh, Lord. I will die before that ever happens. They were not looking forward to the cross that is just not true. Okay? So look at 1 Peter chapter 1 and uh, verse 11. So Peter saying here, prophesied verse 10, and then after they prophesied of the grace that should come, they were searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ, Isaiah 53. Psalm 22, and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. They would search their own prophecies. You see in verse 10, which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently. And they're, they're, they're looking for what manner of time? The Spirit of Christ did signify those things. When they received them, they didn't understand them. All right, back to Acts chapter 10. You say, why is that important? Because it's important to understand that God is revealing truth over time. And it's like when when God gives a little bit of light to men and they accept the light and they obey what they're given and they believe it, then he'll give them more light. So back in Acts chapter 10, Peter says that we're witnesses. And then Peter goes on to say that through his name, this is the first time they've ever known his name, whoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Remission means that God takes away the guilt of sin. It's forgiveness. God removes the guilt. All right. While Peter yet spake these words, he's about ready to give the same kind of an invitation that he gave from Acts chapter 2, but he's interrupted. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. So while he's still preaching, the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles. They began to speak with tongues. And this was a sign to the Jews that were present. The Jewish believers that came from Joppa with Peter. It was a sign to them. And uh, Cornelius and his household were clearly saved. They had clearly received the Holy Spirit. There's no contest. There's no doubting it. They were saved just as well as Peter and his group. Just as as sure as those that were saved in Acts chapter 2. And they were saved by a simple faith. Look in verse 45. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. You say, who's that? Those are those Jewish believers that came from Joppa. They were Jews, born and bred Jewish. And they were saved believing the preaching of the gospel about Jesus Christ. So they were Jewish Christians. Christians who were first Jewish. And they were astonished. They were amazed. They couldn't believe that these Gentiles were also saved and received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they had never become Jews. They had never become proselytes. They were never circumcised and and initiated into the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They had never gone to the temple. They didn't have to do any of that. They didn't have to become a Jew first. They just got saved hearing the preaching of the gospel. And that's why they're astonished. And there was no doubt that this was God's hand because they began to speak in tongues. You see that? For they heard them, verse 46, speak with tongues. Those are known languages. And magnify God. And then answered Peter. So Peter picks back up. Now, there's a couple of things that need to be said about this. First of all, these were Gentiles. And there is an order here of events that the Lord uses throughout the rest of the New Testament. You see, in the book of Acts, you're in constant flux, constant change. Sometimes people are baptized and then forgiven, and then they receive the Holy Ghost. Here, they receive the Holy Ghost before they get baptized. There's a lot of changes going on. I think I have a simple way of helping you to understand it. Look at the order of events. First, they heard the word, right? Verse 44. Peter was sent to preach. All right? That's why he came to Cornelius's house. These are uh, these are Roman soldiers. They're of the Italian band. These are pure Gentiles. They wanted to hear this message. Peter came and he preached. And after they heard the word, they believed. Verse forty-three. He says, "If I preach in His name, I preach about Jesus Christ and what He did for us—the death, burial, and resurrection." Peter said, "Whoever believes will be forgiven." Oh, they'll, they'll be saved. They'll have eternal life. So they heard the word. They they believed, obviously, because the Holy Spirit fell on them all. In verse 44, fell on them. It also says that they received the Holy Ghost. Verse 47, and they said, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? It's clear they've received the Holy Ghost. They're speaking in tongues. So after receiving the Holy Ghost, they're baptized. So hearing, believing. Receiving the Holy Ghost in baptism. That's the order that we follow today. That's the order throughout the rest of the book of Acts. There is one occasion that's different. And that has to do with some disciples of John the Baptist who had never heard about these things. But this is the order that we follow today. Uh, And and what Alexander Campbell did and, and what all of the cults. Do, uh, even Baptist briders, have you ever heard of a Baptist brider? I don't know if you have any of them around here, they're down south a lot. What they say is, they say, unless you're baptized by a Baptist preacher, you've never been baptized into Christ, and they're talking about water baptism, and if you've never been baptized into Christ, then you're not a part of his bride. So they try to trace their line, their succession, all the way back to John the Baptist, And they say there's always been a Baptist preacher baptizing somebody else and baptizing somebody else all the way up till today. So if you're not baptized by a Baptist bride, you're not in the body of Christ and you're a part of a different dispensation. That's just another heresy that came out of the Restoration Movement from the 1800s. And it's not true. You're not regenerated by baptism. You're regenerated by the hearing of faith. And you receive the Holy Spirit just like they did here. You say, what's regeneration? Born again, man. Uh, made alive spiritually. You, you're no longer dead in trespasses and sins. You're alive in Christ. So that's the order of events. God is calling out a people for his name today. And today the church is mostly made up of Gentiles. Because Israel is partially blinded in the church age. That's one of the seven mysteries that a preacher has to preach. And now, folks, as I'm saying these things, you know, you know what? This is what I'm commanded to teach. And you're looking at me like you're trying to go over my head. No, I'm not. I'm trying to give you Bible. I can't do this on a Sunday morning. Not unless we just had like us four and no more. And we're, you know, we're just like, we're just going to get deep in the scriptures all the time. Well, those kind of people, they stop trying to win souls and disciple brand new believers. Sunday morning, it's got to be more like an introduction to Christian faith and I preach the gospel on Sunday mornings. I try to but Sunday night I want to go a little bit deeper you know and you, you, you need to hear these things over and over again so if you feel like I didn't get that I didn't catch that well you need to hear it over and over again we're saved by a simple faith and when that happens we receive the Holy Spirit now in Acts chapter 9 Paul is already saved. Paul has already received the Holy Spirit. We we won't go there, but he's already received the Holy Spirit and then he's baptized. Okay? Uh, Paul did not get baptized to receive the Holy Ghost. He's baptized and after being immersed, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. Those two things are different. There's one baptism of the Spirit. That's when you get saved. That's when you get born again. And there's many fillings. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, we're commanded to be filled. Well, if we were filled when we got saved, why would he command us to be filled? <laughs> there's many fillings. Uh, no one, listen to this. Don't miss this. Write it down. Call, call your mama. T- tell her about it. <laughs> Call your friends, tell them about it, put it on Facebook. No one after Acts 2 gets the Holy Spirit when he's baptized in water. I'll say it again. No one after Acts 2 gets the Holy Spirit after being baptized in water. Unless you try to take me to Acts 19, and that's a different thing. Those are disciples of John. They're still under the Old Testament. They're still under John's teaching. They never made the transition from John to being a disciple of Christ. In other words, somebody says, repent and be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Ghost. That is a Jewish plan given in Acts chapter 2 to Jewish converts. Repent. Why? You crucified your Savior. You crucified your Messiah. Repent! And then be baptized. Why? Because you wouldn't be baptized with the baptism of John. You wouldn't admit that you're no good and low down and sorry. You're filled with self-righteousness. I don't need to be baptized. That's what those Pharisees said to Jesus. Those scribes. Repent and be baptized. And then uh, you wouldn't be baptized by John's disciples. You wouldn't be baptized by Jesus' disciples. Now do it. And God will forgive you. This promise is for you and for Jews that are far off, scattered all over the world. And then here you have a Gentile set up. And I'm not making it different. The Bible's different here. Right? Things that are different are not the same. When you're studying the Bible, you've got to study things that are the same. You say, why are you being so uh, hard on us? Why are you trying to bear down so hard on us? Because I know that you're arguing with me in your mind. This is different. You've never heard this before. Right. It is. It is. But why is it Why is it? when I'm driving down the road, sometimes I drive down the road and go, go across the dial and listen to country music. You know I can do that. I didn't lose my salvation, right? I don't want to listen to it too much because it's just all about drinking. Right. But you know what they say in those country songs? that are written like, like written yesterday at Ten Pan Alley, you know, or not Tin Pan Alley, that's, that's New York, uh, written yesterday at the uh, Writers Square, I forget what it's called in Nashville. They're writing and saying that you get down in that water and it washes away your sins. That's what they're telling millions of people around the world. That's heresy. That's, that's the false teaching that came out of the Restoration Movement in the 1800s. You do not get your sins. There is not holy water. If you think that's holy water, go jump in it. It's not holy water. It's not going to wash away your sins. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. And your blood, you don't touch the blood when you get in the city water system. <laughs> you touch it by faith. And uh, I'm trying to give you scriptural proof. Everyone who gets saved from Acts 8.37 onward. Except for some of John's disciples, they get the Holy Spirit by faith. Now let me show you that all right, please. would you come with me to or to Galatians three? You just got to see it because again uh I know I'm kind of a little bit uh you know uh I have a tendency to sort of take the cat and stroke it the wrong way. Um, Galatians chapter. I need, to read, I need to read Dale Carnegie's Winning Friends and Influencing People. <laughs> I've never, never read that before. I probably could benefit from it. But Galatians chapter 3 and chapter 8. Chapter 3, verse 8. I want you to see that, that we get the Holy Spirit by faith. Simple faith. And then I want to give an illustration about faith, and, and then we'll finish up this chapter. Just simple faith. That's how we receive the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 3 and in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 8 and then 14. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. That's the Old Testament. The scripture foresaw it. Who's the heathen? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> Thank you I'm glad you said that. I did not say it. it's us You the heathen You the heathen I'm the heathen Yeah we're all heathen <laughs> Oh man Gentiles aren't even allowed into the temple <laughs> Anyways um, Through faith How is God going to justify it? Now just, I could just ask this question According to Galatians 3.8 How does God justify the heathen Say if you're to fill in the blank. What does it say? Through faith. What does it mean to be justified? Declared righteous. Given the purity and righteousness of Jesus Christ. Put on your account. So God foresaw that. The scripture foresaw that. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. Now did God... Preach the gospel to Abraham that Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again the third day? No. (laughs) Gospel means good news. God gave the good news to Abraham that God would justify the heathen by faith. They simply had to believe in him and believe what he told them to believe. Abraham had no idea what that was supposed to be. He probably assumed it had something to do with the seed of the woman and the coming Messiah. But he told Abraham that all nations would be blessed. I'm so thankful that the United States of America can be blessed through the blessing of Abraham. Look at verse 14. And it comes by faith that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. You see it? All you have to do is hear a gospel preacher and then believe what that gospel preacher is saying. Trust, faith, confidence, dependence on what that, that message is. To believe that it's so. To believe that it's so. And then by faith you can receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, look also at verse uh, 22. Chapter 3, verse 22. But the scripture hath concluded... All understand that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. Simple faith. Simple trust. A great illustration of what faith is in the Bible or belief. It means to believe on Jesus Christ. It means to have confidence, to rely upon, to to put your weight upon it. And it's like leaning on this. Like when I lean on this, I believe that it's going to hold me up. Otherwise, I wouldn't lean on it. I didn't, if I didn't have faith that it would hold me up, I wouldn't lean on that microphone stand, but I'd lean on this because I believe that it will hold me up. You have to have confidence in the gospel message, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In other words, not only confidence, but you need to have like the, the, uh, the content has to be right. You say, what's that? That when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sins. He was buried. He rose again the third day. 100% he can forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life. If you put your faith, your confidence in that content, that's what you're supposed to believe. At the moment you truly believe that and throw all of your weight on that, you give all that you are. I'm a great sinner. (laughs) I give all that I am to Jesus Christ. He's a great savior. And I put all my faith in it. When that happens, then I receive the Holy Spirit just like they did here with one exception. I won't speak with tongues. That will not happen after the book of Acts. Now, you say, why? Okay, let's look at that. Back to Acts chapter 10. Why is that? Why do people not speak with the evidence of tongues today? Well, yes, it was for the apostolic ministry. But specifically, it's a sign. Like I said, it's a sign to those Jews that came from Joppa. There's no doubt about it. These Gentiles got saved without becoming Jewish proselytes first, which they did not believe was possible. That's why in Acts 15, we'll study it. I'll show you. It's not just me saying it. I'll show you. In Acts chapter 15, they said, listen, you cannot bring a a Gentile into this this faith with a Jewish Messiah until they're converted, circumcised, and keep the law of Moses. Otherwise, no deal. Paul said that's not necessary. Barnabas said that's not necessary. Peter said no. James said no, that's not necessary. Because of this. Because they saw things like this happening. Gentiles getting saved without baptism, without uh, circumcision. And it's a sign. Okay, so let's end, let's end with one verse here. They heard them speak with tongues. God had to do that. God was obligated to do that for them. Look at 1 Corinthians one twenty two, and we'll, we'll close for tonight. 1 Corinthians 1.22. I know we've looked at it before, but again, repetition is the mother of learning. 1, 1 Corinthians one twenty two. The Jews, it says, require a sign. And they still do. And God gives them the signs. All through the gospel. All through the book of Acts. And Jesus rebuked them for not... He said, look, if you won't believe my words, believe me for the very work's sake, he said. And he was talking to nobody but Jews. And they wouldn't believe He said, at least believe me for the works. I'm showing you all the signs. Because the Jews require a sign. Does it say that the Greeks require a sign? No. It says they seek after wisdom. The way that God saves Gentiles is just like he did it right here with Peter. The sign was for the Jews. You say, now I don't know about that. I don't know if I buy that. Well, let me just tell you this. You read the book of Acts. And I'll tell you this. Every single time that somebody speaks in tongues. And and I'll tell you this too. Every single time that there are miracles. Verifying the apostolic ministry. There are always Jews present. Because the Jews require a sign. What happens when God said. Now three times I'm going to show you in this book of Acts. Three times God says I'm turning away from the Jews. I turn to the Gentiles. And when God finally did that. Turn to the Gentiles. That's the end of the apostolic sign gifts. Now you say, all right. Now, I do not believe that it's because, you know, the, the word of God came and was in completion. And once the word of God was complete, God did not need to give sign gifts anymore. I don't think that that's, I don't think that can be defended. Uh, what, it, what it was, it had to do with the apostolic ministry and it had to do with the Jews, and why there are not tongues today. And that some people say that unless you speak in tongues, you're not saved. And guys, that's a heresy. Uh, I know that's strong. That's just a false teaching. And it is heresy too. It's a false teaching. That's another gospel. Anathema Maranatha. I mean, God's not playing around. Don't, don't make another gospel. Simple faith. All right? What's simple faith? Well, don't turn me off yet. I want to give you an illustration that nobody could miss. And um, I was was, uh, reading about this story of a a preacher, uh, A.J. Gordon, and a famous preacher from yesteryear, and he's riding on a train one day. He's witnessing to a man, and he says to that man that we're saved by grace through faith plus nothing, you know, and giving him the gospel. And the man said, listen, he said something that we have all probably heard. The man said, it's not about what you believe. It's about the kind of person that you are. And if you live a decent, good life, you'll go to heaven when you die. Because people believe all different kind of things. Who are you to tell me that the Hindus, you know, over there in India won't go to heaven? Do you know how many Indians there are that follow Hinduism? Who are you? That's the kind of thing people say. And so he said to him, all right, well, you see that train conductor coming through the coach. he said, yeah, and you see him taking people's tickets and, Punching the tickets and giving it back to him. Said, yeah. He said, he's not looking at that person, what kind of citizen they are, whether they're upstanding, dressed nice or not. Or whether they're nice or mean or decent and moral or, or, or evil. He's looking at that ticket. If you don't have that ticket, they're going to throw you off the train. And so the ticket is what you need to have, and that's faith. Do you have the ticket? Do you have faith? In Jesus Christ, that's what matters. That's what matters. And uh, And as far as the tongues and all those kind of things go, and I'll tell you this, you know I believe that God can do the unexplainable. God can heal. I believe all of that. I just don't believe He works with apostolic signs. Because if somebody said, "I do believe in apostolic signs," if that person said, "I have the gift of healing." you would be a low-down, dirty dog. I mean, there's two kinds of dogs in the Bible, I understand. There's one that's just kind of like that mangy, uh, basically uh, uh, wild dog that will attack children and you know, and get into your trash and things like that and tear up your house. And then there's the pet dog. Well, that wild dog, you're, you're like that mangy wild dog. Because if you had that gift, you better spend about... 16 to 18 hours a day cleaning out the hospitals start right here at holzer listen there's people in this bible that are saved without faith the 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 person just came and started healing people and then i'll tell you this there's plenty of people who have faith to believe that yes i want you to heal me and i believe god can do it so you know where i stand on that but i wanted to give you a biblical answer all right let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and then we'll we'll be dismissed our heavenly father Lord, I thank you tonight for the word of God. I thank you, Lord, that I'm able to stand here in the pulpit and, uh, and I'm back uh, preaching and teaching again. I love to be able to do it, Lord. And and Father, I pray that you'd help us to stand for the truth and to stand for what's right. And Lord, to be good Bereans and to search the scriptures to see whether these things are so. And, and Lord, um, I pray that you'd help us to, to keep a balance with with truth and love at the same time, but Father, there's just so many false teachings going around there, and it's in country music, it's, it's in podcasts, it's on television, it's all around us, so many people being deceived, and here we have the truth, we have the pure gospel, we know it's by simple faith that people are saved, and we know it, and Lord, what are we doing with it? So I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to, to be busy about it, to have confidence in our message and what we're what we're preaching, what we believe in. Lord, help us to stand for these things. And I pray, Father, for our country all across the country tonight, churches that love you and are open and studying your word. Pray that you'd stir us up, Lord, to be soul winners. And I pray that you'd protect us from evil. And, Lord, we'd pray even like you taught us to pray, that, Lord, that you would lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen.